Welcome to AM570 The Mission's Church of the Week with Ministry Director Steve Hanseritis. Church of the Week recognizes one church's amazing work. It's WMCA's way of supporting and strengthening the faithful proclamation of God's Word, discipleship, and evangelism. Telling the world about the love of Christ is a church's mission. Empowering that church is ours. If you would like more information on Church of the Week, contact Steve at 212-857-9677. That's 212-857-9677. And now your host, Steve Hanseritis. Welcome to Church of the Week here on AM570, The Mission, WMCA. We have an exciting Church of the Week segment today. We have with us Pastor Patrick Thompson, who's the lead pastor of New City Church right here in New York City, and also Chase Muratori, who's the uh, Community Connections Coordinator. Welcome to WMCA. Pastor, why don't you start us off with a prayer? We're glad to. Thank you. Father, we are so grateful for a time that we can just gather and talk about the work that you're doing in this city. God bless our conversation and our time and the advance of your gospel throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome again. Glad to be here. Now, I, I, we were talking before we started recording, <laughs> and you know that my first question is going to be, you were a rock DJ before you were a pastor. I, I was. I, uh, so I know we were tempted to open this, <laughs> this segment for the first time with Led Zeppelin, but uh, maybe we'll do that on the second in- yeah. interview. I, uh, my degree, my undergrad degree is in TV, film, radio, and uh, spent a lot of time in college uh, spinning some records and playing some old classic rock. So I, uh, I can kick back into radio pretty easily. Great. Well, welcome back to radio. Yes, glad to Love be Love to here. have you here. Um, the the church was founded in your apartment living room. Yeah. Uh, tell us how you got to that point. Yeah, so our uh, family is originally from Atlanta, Georgia. We've lived in Chicago, lived in Orlando, some other metropolitan areas. And beginning of 2013, we had two teenage kids, uh, and our family felt a, a, a movement in our hearts from God to move to New York to do life. Uh, our kid, Both of my kids are in art schools here in the city, very engaged, uh, visual arts, performing arts. And when we decided to move up, I said, I'm a pastor, so let's start a church. And it really began with our family in our apartment for two months. There were four of us in our church meeting in the our uh, our apartment living room and doing a family Bible study together. And then it began to grow from there as we connected with other people. I, th- I think the most we ever had in our living room was 18 people. As you know, in a New York apartment, that would be pretty uh, tight and pretty crowded. Our, uh, we hadn't, didn't have enough chairs, didn't have enough coffee. And uh, so we grew from there to a community room and an apartment building. And then eventually right now we're meeting in a public school, uh, which has been a phenomenal uh, partnership. And uh, it's grown from a family of four to now on a given Sunday we have a Korean-speaking service, an English-speaking service, children's ministry that's running about 120, 130 between all those together. Great. So God's been so faithful. Great. So faithful. Check out their website, uh, New City Church, new dash citychurch.com yeah. folks and chase you were the first person baptized at new I was. city I what, was. what brought you to that point well they when they were originally meeting in their uh, apartment my wife refused to go because of uh, kind of our experience of church up to that point so uh we're like what's going on here we can't go so we waited till they got to the community room before we actually ever went and um i'll spare you all all my stories leading up to that but basically you know, I was praying for a place to bring my family and a place that was authentic and real. 
and we all, we almost got that. Instead, we just got Patrick. So we got as close <laughs> as we, we got as close as we could. But we, you know, we were looking for for a place to bring our family. My my wife is actually just baptized this year too, and. Uh, you know, Patrick, I guess he had to hang out with us because uh, they were the only couple that was spending time with us. We were new in uh, the Long Island City area, and we just, you know, they became our friends. Like I say, that's part of his job description. But, uh, you know, I trusted him. And the way Patrick was, was actually presenting the, the gospel and the Bible every week, we weren't, we never felt guilted or forced to go back. We felt like we were learning something new every week that we were, we, we wish we knew 10, 20 years ago when we were growing up. So he's all right. He's you have right. to tell he's him about the three, uh, three weirdo rule. Oh, yeah. We had a three weirdo rule. First day going to church. Yeah. Like, all right, if we meet three weirdos, we're out, right? <laughs> so we met one. Yeah, it was kind of weird guy. Won't name him. We met Patrick, and then that was it. So, <laughs> And you're still there. <laughs> they were yeah. still there. No, it was, it was awesome. Um, now, you brought up an interesting word, the guilt of religion. Mm. And at New City Church, I know you encourage people to take off the chains of religious dogma. Yeah. So what does that mean? How do you how do you do translate that on yeah. a daily so basis? I, I grew up in church. I uh, was around you know uh, different kinds of churches my whole life, and one of the things I, I saw almost repeatedly through all these churches was the use of guilt to uh, to cause people to come more to church services, to give more. And we just said, you know, we don't want to be a place. I, I never found in Scripture that God or Christ used guilt to motivate, that he actually used grace and, uh, you know, the ability, it's, it's his kindness that leads us to obedience. And so we wanted to model that. And so we really say as a church, we don't embrace, you know, condemnation. We don't embrace indoctrination, trying to invade people's lives. We just want to be a place where you can come, experience the grace of God, and let that play out in your life, and experience the most pleasure, peace, meaning, and hope that you ever have in your life because you've surrendered to the gospel and the power of the gospel in your life. And so that really plays out in how we approach when people come to church, when we approach new people in our community that uh, hear that we're a church and are like, you know, we, we don't try to guilt them into coming. We would actually desire for them to show up. And I think one of the great, if you want to tell this story, Chase, of how we don't use that is like even with... With baptism, like trying mm-hmm. to get people baptized, that his wife Tara came for you know a couple of years before she you got baptized. How he guilted and shamed her, yes, please. into getting <laughs> baptized. So, yeah, so you know, my wife would always consider herself a believer in God. Uh, and we we're ba- you know baptized as a child, so there was no urgency or no understanding of what baptism is or you know or was for her in that context. But if at any point Patrick would have. I knew I needed to get baptized, so I kind of ran into the pool and dove in head first. But, you know, my wife was a different story. She saw me get baptized, and then, you know, over time, if Patrick would have pushed, say he had to hit some sort of number um, to show that he's a good pastor, or if it was anything about him or his growing of his church, my wife probably would never have been baptized, right? So, and he has, there's other stories of people who've come to faith that were, you know, staunch atheists, proud, proud atheists, um, that came to know Christ because Patrick put them first, put basically put their, put his relationship with them first, not his church, not, he put, you know, the grace of God first and let that play out in their lives over time. It wasn't a rush. It wasn't hitting a sales quota. I'm used to that. Right. You know, so. So if, if Patrick would have pushed my wife at any particular time for, you know, 
it just played out the way it was supposed to. And when it happened, it happened. Mm. You know, and I'm just thankful that he had the wherewithal. Wherewithal, like if I'm going to fail at building a church here, I'm going to let it. I'm going to let it fail. Not, I'm going to let it fail based on me doing the best I can biblically, not the best I can within my own efforts. And I think that's. You know, not to touch on such a confusing topic, but where do you draw the line between pushing the envelope and letting the grace of God actually play out in people's lives? And that's why, you know, that's why my family's, you know, stuck with Patrick and, and his family. So, <laughs> so. Stuck with Patrick. Well, yeah. I, you know, I, I do think it's important that, uh, you know, many churches look at the length of the communion lines and mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, how many baptisms were done in a year and say, wow, we were successful, you know, but you never see those people again. Right. So uh, share with us some of the visions and values of New City Church. Yeah, so at the very core, you know, we want to love God, love people. We believe that's the New Testament calling of, uh, of any church, of any ministry. Uh, and so we take that not as uh, words to be painted on a wall or words to be put on a business card. It's actually words to be written on our heart. And so how do we walk through every day trying to love God and love people and see that play out? And uh, so we, we, we take that relationally. Um, when we say we leave our worship gatherings, we're leaving to go love other people. We're leaving to go try to be obedient to the not just the commands of God, but the calling of God in our life. And I think that's where we get confused sometimes, especially those who grew up in church. We end up thinking loving God is being obedient to his commands. Right. And that's certainly part of it. But I think even higher is being obedient to his calling in our life and living that out. Commands can often cause us to just isolate or try to eliminate things in our life. Like, boy, there's evil over there. I'm going to stay away just to make sure I don't sin. And uh, or I see somebody doing that. I'm going to distance myself from them. Instead of the calling, I'm going to be salt and light and a fragrance of life. And so the way, the way this tangibly happens in our church is we say this. We try to find places in our relationships, find places in the city, find places in our areas of influence that the gospel is not present. And we just want to go interject ourselves there. Can you give me some examples? Yeah. Of that? So uh, like I, I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about uh, radio, I have an undergraduate degree in TV film and radio. And uh, Chase and I and another guy in our church actually have a production company that we do some faith-based films out of as well. And so I have, a, have that arts background. So I've joined an arts club here in the city. And uh, it's uh, I'm I'm probably the only believer there. They know I'm a pastor as well. Um, but I, as I've come in there, uh, people are intrigued and come up to me and be like, I've always <clears throat> wanted to ask a person of faith this. Why do you believe this? Or why do people act like this? Or how would you approach uh, this? And uh, almost every time I would go to the club and still do, I, I would have conversations with people related to that. And so these are people who initially probably would never come to our church mm-hmm. to hear me speak or to experience community in that kind of setting. But by going to them, they then, it, this builds this bridge back to a faith community. I take Chase over there. I take our friend Jamal over there all the time. And it's just a way of uh, living out our calling instead of just trying to say, am I following the commands of God today? Am I also living out the calling what, of God today? Where did you, what influenced you uh, to, to think that way, to preach that way, to minister that way? Yeah, I think a lot of failure uh, in my own life influenced me that way of like trying to, to use guilt, trying to, trying to use like, let's just get everybody to think the same and indoctrinate people the same way or, you know, have uniformity of thought and seeing how it was like grasping at sand, that it would just flow through your fingers and it didn't work. 
work as much as hard as we tried. And, and I've been I've been involved in ministry for 25 years. And uh, I would say the first 20 of those have been uh, were a training ground for this ministry right now of like learning what not to do. I did have some incredible men that were influences in my life, uh, youth pastors growing up, uh, you know, ministers that I served with that I look back and I saw their patience with me, their, you know, consistency of encouraging me in my life. My parents are a huge example of that, mm-hmm. just their consistent living. Uh, I was actually back in Georgia visiting my parents this week and just being reminded of some of that was very powerful. I've seen their influence play out in my life. Uh, so I really do think it was a lot of trying and failing and then saying, why don't we do this the way Christ models mm. um, and really just embrace that. Mindset. Chase, what about you? Who's, who's the greatest influence in your life? <clears throat> um, Yogi Berra. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, a lot of people in New York will say that. A lot of people yeah. in New York would say, I'm trying to, trying to relate with the audience. Or what, but, what influenced your, your ministry? So I I mean, that's a tough question for me. So I really wanted something that was actually authentic. I could care less about uh, an actual physical church building. I can care less about music. I could care less about things of that nature. And I I felt like I was going a little crazy with uh, reading the Bible and not really seeing it played out. So I guess as far as pastors, I I gravitated towards someone like a Ravi Zacharias Mm. was a big influence in my life. Um, Just understanding doctrine that way, I'd say Ravi Zacharias was probably top on my list of that. Um, so also, um, but that, that's pretty much it that way. But when I, when I came to New City Church, the fact that I was learning more and then it it wasn't just, so it wasn't just that I was learning more. It was actually being played out on my way to work. Uh, my wife and I would see people with New City Church shirts actually cleaning up the street and not trying to shove a pamphlet in my hand. Not if that's your marketing approach, I'm not. Uh, dissing you or anything, but it was unbelievable to see people just doing great things in the community, like cleaning up the streets, uh, helping the park, uh, and actually not wanting anything in return. I thought, what a concept. We're at least giving it one shot. We're at least going to come once. Yeah, And then we had our three weirdo policy. It's still in place as a backup but uh, you have a, a series, a preaching series. Uh, I love the name "Connecting with Skeptics." Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it's conversation with skeptics. And oh, our goal, yeah. yeah, it's uh, our goal is really to uh, find people in our own lives who have a different faith view than we do, uh, and so that could be somebody who's an atheist, somebody who has uh, you know different religious orientation than we do, or somebody who just is apathetic, agnostic, and really is not thinking about faith. And so we. We actually go and uh, Chase kind of coordinates this. He he interviews them. We we ask them questions. Usually the starting question is something like this. Hey, what's your history with God? And we just begin to understand and unpack where they're coming from and what they're doing. And we ask a lot of questions before we give answers. And then we take that and build a, a teaching uh, a series and a, a teaching tools on that that help believers learn how to engage people who are far from God. So it's not just a, uh, we, we have a chance to interject, interject the gospel in those conversations when we're actually recording them, but we also use it as a training tool for the people in our community to be like, wow, it's okay to go sit down with somebody that's different from me and have a conversation. We don't have to agree. One of the things we elevate in our church all the time is this. We're about unity, not uniformity. And so we want to have unity over the main things. But we we have 
Democrats and Republicans in our church. We have people, you know, that lean this way or lean that way on social issues in our church. And it's okay. Like, we can still have conversations. We can still go have brunch together after church. And we're really trying to push back on this cultural, um, really challenging concept right now of, like, if we disagree, we have to disassociate. Right. And I am a firm believer that the opposite is true. If we disagree, we can actually learn from one another. One of the ladies in our church, uh, they've since moved to Germany. But the first time I met her, she told me, I'm, I'm an atheist, so we can't be friends. And I said, really? I'm, yeah, I said, but I'm happy to be your friend. I said, not, it's not on my part that we can't be friends. Right. And we became great friends. And about three and a half years later, she surrendered her life to Christ and uh, now has moved back to Germany and has taken the gospel with her as well. So it's that's the fruit I see of like these kind of conversations where we can train people to find people that we actually differ with and let's go engage. Look, if we all think the same, act the same, and we all stay in the same room together, that's not putting your light on a hill. That's hiding it under a basket. It's not being salt and, and going and preserving life in places. It's not being a fragrance of life to the perishing. That has to come when we actually find people that we have differing views, skeptics of our own religion, and say, I'm willing to hear from you. Um, my, my, one of the things I say the most is this. I can find commonality with almost anybody. <laughs> and that's where we start. Indeed. Yeah, that's where we start. Um, you know, if, if we can agree there was a God, there is a God, you know, if we can agree there's evil in the world, we can agree at some point I used to go to church and I don't anymore. We, we've at least found a common point to start from. And then let's learn our journeys from there. And they may not accept everything I say, but they'll at least be able to see how I got there. And I can see how they got where they were. And we can come back together. So you go to the Hearts Club. What are some of the other ways that you find these people? So I serve on a couple of other nonprofit boards in our city um, where I engage in need meeting organizations that are not faith based. So it's not that I go and uh, say, where's a Christian organization that feeds the poor? Where's a Christian organization that does it? I go, where is a non-Christian organization that is meeting needs, doing charitable work that lines up with the Christian faith? And then I go and serve on these boards, volunteer my time, volunteer my energy. I serve on a board called, uh, it's a group called Mythic Bridge. Uh, They do filmmaking workshops for uh, teenagers that are from difficult and disadvantaged circumstances. And with my background, it fits perfectly. And I serve on there and I've gotten to know many people. We have people in our church that came from relationships that I've built there. And mm-hmm. so uh, we, the way we often say it is this, we find people that we enjoy hanging out with. Yeah, why not? People that are already doing some of the things that we're, we would want to do and just go there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of our other strategies is restaurants. Yeah, yeah. We like to eat. Yeah. So. We love to eat. And one of the most freeing things, you know, learning from Patrick and the way he's doing his ministry is basically I get to love God and love people and do it wherever I am. I don't just have to do it in church. I could do it wherever I go. So when I'm speaking to someone who's a skeptic, it's just as much about my relationship with God growing. In other words, my standard of that being a successful conversation is what did I learn? How did I grow? And I don't have to worry about, I just have to plant the seed and talk and I don't have to sell. I don't have to do any of that. I don't have to convince or guilt or shame or do any of that. I get to be myself more than I've ever had a chance to before in my life. 
And I think somehow within that, just me growing personally with Christ mm-hmm. spills out. It overflows, mm-hmm. right? So, and I, that's that's one of the biggest gifts. So, and then we're just trying to do that. We're just trying to really be ourselves wherever we go, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's constant. But that's the thing. It's growth. It's constantly changing because we're not alone in that process, right? So that, at least once a month, we do a thing called our Community Connect where we go to a local restaurant in our neighborhood. Yeah. It's usually quiet on a Monday or Tuesday night. And we say, hey, can, if you'll give us some food specials, we'll show up. And uh, we bring people from our church, but we invite the neighborhood as well. And so we'll have people come that, uh, you know, they may never come to church, but they'll they all of a sudden come hang out with people from church. Right. And the business loves it because we're bringing them business. The people leave and go, okay, these aren't a bunch of, you know, the, the weirdos. weirdos that, you know, I would hang out with them. And then they make that step into a church service. And uh, so those those are ways that, but while we're training ourselves and reminding ourselves and trying to train our people is just what Chase said. Like eventually this just becomes the norm of your life. Yeah. I mean, you sit down at a restaurant, you start talking to the people next to you and, you know, you sit on a subway and, you know, if somebody doesn't have headphones in and it's just the right time and God prompts your spirit, you say something, you never know. And uh, we, we've experienced all those moments. Uh, I live by this. One of the mottos I live by is this, is when God prompts, he prepares. Mm-hmm. So if God prompts me to do something, he's prepared me for what I'm about to do, but he's also prepared them for what they're about to receive. Wow. And I just try to live that way. And I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent when, you know, I can feel the nudging of the spirit. And sometimes I'm just, I'm not in the mood, God. Not you, right you now. You put the headphones on. <laughs> yeah. On the yeah. If you want yeah. me to talk about Patrick's shortcomings, we could, we could go, we could go on and on and on about that. That if, yes. if you want. So. Well, <laughs> we'll we'll do that in another interview. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, we've got about five minutes left, and I wanted to ask you about your plans for the church yeah. and and some of the ministries that you're offering now. Yeah, so uh, we you know currently hold services in uh, in Long Island City, Queens, just one subway stop from Grand Central, um, and we are in the process right now of multiplying, and so. Uh, if you know New York City, you know Queens is the uh, you know international borough, yeah. people from all over the world. And so we're getting ready to, to launch a plant up in the Queensboro Plaza area, three subway stops from us that will be internationally focused. Uh, the goal with that is to partner with current churches in the city or people that are coming to the city to look to work with specific ethnic groups, uh, language groups. And so uh, we have a guy leading that ministry that served a number of years in China, has a background in many other areas trying to build a very ethnically diverse team there that will help us in that regard. And then secondly, we're looking to move into uh, Manhattan as well. We have a group of about 20 or 25 people that are interested in kind of replicating what we're doing in Midtown and even down here in, in downtown as well. So we would look to, over the next year to two years, uh, get that international focus going in Queens and then kind of do a, a more of a campus model mm-hmm. uh, here in uh, Midtown and downtown, uh, what we're doing in Long Island City. Our goal is this. We're not, we're not trying to build a brand. We're not trying to to take over New York City with an organizational structure of churches. Uh, we're just trying to create gatherings that are reproducible, where people can live out their life and connect with other people uh, and, and bring people. You know, we, we've just seen the value of authentic worship gatherings where people can come and ask questions uh, and feel like they can have their questions answered. One of the things we always say about church is when you come on a Sunday, uh, two things we want to happen is we want you to connect with God and connect with other people. And one of the ways we want you to connect with God is by asking questions. We we say it's not just a place to ask questions, it's that we actually expect you to ask, ask questions. 
and I end every sermon with a question. Mm. I don't try to give an answer. I try to give you a question to go struggle with that week and, and talk to God about. Uh, I think too often we try to tell people the answer instead of letting them go to God for the answer. Right. Not and, really uh, listening to right, the people. Right. So we, we have a high value of that, and we want to create more communities uh, that are like that. Chase and I have just recently been talking about how do we replicate what we're doing in an online setting, you know, where people, because we had, we've had, a in 2017, we had 30 people that were connected with our church move outside the city. They just, you know, job transfers. And uh, for a church our size, that's a, that's a big hit. Sure. Um, but now we have people all over the world, really, that are asking, hey, how can we stay connected? And so how do we create an online community that's not replicating or replacing a local personal connection, but creating some connections uh, globally that would allow people to stay connected and multiply that way. That's great. Well, Pastor and and uh, Chase, thank you for being with us on uh, Church you. of the Week. Uh, we've been speaking with uh, the lead pastor of New City Church, Patrick Thompson, and Chase Muratori. I got that name. Nailed right. it. Uh, the Community Connections Coordinator of New City Church. Uh, visit them online at new-citychurch.com. And uh, I encourage you to worship with them one Sunday uh, at 11 o'clock at the Hunters Point School. Stay tuned. Coming up is a special message from Pastor. And uh, thank you, gentlemen, for being with us here on Church of the Week on AM 570, The Mission, WMCA. Thank, thank you. you.